Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey there, welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Josh Norris. Uh, this is another one of our Scouts podcast series, uh, as you've heard before, with myself and Kyle Glazer. And today's guest is Mike Kanan, who is a Northeast Area Scout for the Cleveland Indians and was an intern of Baseball Americas for, for, uh, in the 2011 season. Hey, Mike, how are you? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm doing just fine here in North Carolina. And you told me before uh, we got on that you're in Brooklyn now. How are you liking uh, New York? Uh, it's great. It's pretty much right in the middle of my area. Um, the traffic has been a little bit uh, better for unfortunate reasons during COVID times. But uh, yeah, I do, I do enjoy living here. It's nice to have Lots at my disposal uh, when I'm not scouting, yeah. So we mentioned just a minute ago that you were uh, you know, an intern of Baseball America. Just what were your experiences with us in 2011, and how did that kind of prepare you for the life of a scout? Uh, it was a terrific experience. Um, to this day, probably the most fun summer I've ever had. Um, I worked pretty closely with Nathan Rohde uh, now at PBR and, um, and Connor Glassy, who's one of uh, the area, another area scout with the Cleveland Indians. Um, uh, got to work on um, summer college top prospect lists. Um, uh, was able to hear about Aaron Judge, I remember that summer in the Alaska League, um, Patrick Wisdom, uh, a couple of other guys that were in that league that summer. Um, got to write about the Cape Cod League. Um, uh, Tournament of Stars uh, was a terrific experience. So it really prepared me just to, uh, this is really the first time that I started to think about scouting, um, how to put tools in the boxes, uh, tool grades in the boxes, um, what a report might look like, um, also what you need to know off the field as well. I mean, our job at that time was a lot to get to know the player and write a story and uh, some of the things that made them interesting off the field. Um, so I remember writing about Marcus Stroman that summer, um, Victor Roach, uh, some some really cool stories. So altogether, it was a fantastic summer, um, and yeah, something I, I often think about today while scouting. And then you know, I mentioned again off air, you and I have only I think met once, and that was in 2013 at Jupiter, which was my first couple months at BA. That's the Jupiter World Wood Bat. Uh, championship that's held every year at the end of this uh the showcase season and it was four of us in a room it started out with three of us it was you and clint longenecker who's now the assistant scouting director there and then i was telling you when i got back to my room one day after i think i was the only person who was over 25 at the time so i was the only person who was allowed to drive uh the rental car without you know getting crazy fees uh, another person that's shown up in our hotel room and you just told me uh it's andrew kraus who is also a scout for you guys now so it's <laughs> It was three future Indians uh, scouting st members of their scouting staff and me, who's been with Baseball America for 2013. Just what do you remember about that Jupiter experience? 
both a lot and very little. That was probably the most tiring couple of days um, I've had scouting. Uh, we didn't have a golf cart, uh, I don't think, uh, at least not available every day, that's for sure. So we were carrying around backpacks with cameras and whatnot. And at the end of the day, our backs were, you know, uh, S-shaped. And uh, so that was, it was tiring. It was a really terrific experience. Um, I remember the highlight of that trip was seeing Tuki Toussaint in the uh, opening days night game. Um, and that was very, very cool. Um, uh, but yeah, it was a very, it was a, uh, it was a cool experience to, I ended up, I had graduated college in that spring and was interned with the Nationals that summer um, up in Auburn, New York, and was kind of looking for what I was going to do uh, in 2014 for that whole season. Um, and I'd actually met Clint that summer at East Coast Pro, and uh, we ended up getting dinner at Dinosaur Barbecue in Syracuse, and I ended up talking for like five hours in the parking lot afterward, and so uh, ended up asking if he needed any help uh, at Jupiter at such a big tournament. He said, yeah, come on board, so I ended up coming down, and uh, uh, yeah, it was a terrific experience. I ended up actually getting to meet with uh, some people with the Indians, and it was uh, one of the beginnings of how I ended up latching on with Cleveland, actually. It's funny, like my memories of that tournament too were just like, I had no idea what I was in for. I knew it was in Jupiter, Florida, and I knew I was going to get a car and there were going to be baseball games there. I did not realize it was going to be like 14 hour days the first day. And then I, I remember Clint uh, assigned me to follow uh, the FTP Chandler Cardinals. And I didn't know any of these people. And you look back and it was Bo Bichette. It was, it was Bo Bichette. Uh, Alex Fayeto, David Peterson, Ryan Mountcastle, and there's probably a couple others I'm forgetting. And holy crud, he put me on the most talented team in the history of man. Well, probably not the history of man, but a pretty pretty darn good one at that tournament. And I had no idea what I was looking at, <laughs> not clue one. And just to go back and see that, I mean, Brendan McKay was in that tournament somewhere. I remember finding um, Matt Mercer, who used to pitch for the Ducks. Uh, you know, he matched up against that FTP Chandler team. There were just so many guys on that uh, in that tournament that was just it just mind blowing that how little I knew at that time. And then with uh, you know, as time has passed, you realize just what you were looking at. But for a person who was two months out of a beat writing job, it was a wild experience. Is that the same for you? Just kind of like. The collection of talent at Jupiter? Uh, yes. Uh, probably the thing that most shocked me was just the experience of having to, okay, we've scouted the whole day and now we need to go, well, we're going to go eat dinner and then we're going to go back to the hotel and we weren't staying directly across the street. Um, so drive back. Um, and then we had to go write and cut up the video and make sure that we had something ready to be printed the next day. And that was probably the most tiring part of it is, okay, uh, the games are done, uh, but we are not. And that was something that I guess I, I suppose I uh, didn't give enough thought to beforehand. Um, but uh, that was probably the most tiring part and most unexpected for me, not really thinking about it as a, as a writer at that time. See, now you and I are humans. Whereas Clint Longenecker is some sort of human slash droid. And I, I, I remember like that first day we finished 
and we got out of the car and we're all just dragging except Clint who sprinted from the car to the door of the restaurant and then he would do his thing and get up at like 4 a.m. I think I still get a little bit of PTSD from the sports center theme, which was his alarm on his phone at the time. And it was up at like four in the morning. I think I remember like throwing a pillow at it. Don't you ever stop? And <laughs> let, let me ask you, Mike, you work with him. Does he ever stop? Uh, he's as much in real life energizer bunny as I think I've, I've ever met, uh, which makes him terrific at what he does. Um, yeah, I remember that at that time uh, in Jupiter, he would not take no for an answer. I was taking one of the two beds. So Clint, despite all the energy that he had, he actually was sleeping on the floor uh, for that tournament, which was uh, both as speaks to his selflessness and also, uh, yeah, how his energy is never ending. So fast forward from that to when did you hook on with the Indians officially? Uh, so from that Jupiter outing, um, I was able to do kind of some um, informal interviews with uh, Brad Grant, our scouting director at the time, Paul Gillespie, assistant director scouting at the time, and Matt Foreman, another Baseball America former intern. Um, they were all there at the time, um, and that kind of ended up um, uh, snowballing into interviews at the winter meetings with some more people uh, with the Indians. Um, that year it was at Disney, I remember. Uh, and so uh, about a day after the winter meetings had ended, they asked if I would want to move to Cleveland for a baseball operations internship. So kind of sight unseen, I ended up moving to Cleveland uh, in the dead of January. My first day in Cleveland was during the polar vortex. Um, it was, yeah, negative 30 or so. Um, so that was definitely an, an awakening. Um, uh, and I ended up, yeah, spending probably the first eight or nine months of 2014 with the Indians in Cleveland as a baseball operations intern. And um, kind of as we got past area codes, ended up transitioning more into uh, an assistant to amateur scouting role. Uh, and then soon after that is when Clint joined us as well. So we kind of had ourselves a little Baseball America uh, duo in the office at that time. So that's kind of how the transition went. Okay. And, you know, a lot of times on these podcasts, we talk about guys, uh, the area scouts have signed, and you've been uh, pretty good at landing guys in our top 30 for the Indians. Notably, right now, I think definitely in the top 10, we have uh, Nolan Jones and Bo Naylor, and you also had, um, beyond those guys, you had James Karinchak, I believe, uh, correct? Yep, yeah, Aaron Savali as well. Yes, Aaron Savali and Gar Gar uh, James Karinchak, and I believe Lenny Torres is, uh, got your name by him too. So just go back to Jones and Naylor. Um, what were your first impressions of those guys and why did you, uh, you know, pound your fist on the table, as Clint might say, for both those guys to be drafted as highly as they did? Well, uh, I guess I would say drafting those guys as highly as we did, it was definitely an organizational um, decision. So the idea of me pounding my fist on the table um, that early in the draft, probably not so much, but uh, being able to speak to both of them Nolan and Bo's character, um, probably having seen them day to day more than other scouts on staff, um, having a longer um, just period of time, getting a sense for their development. Um, those were all things that I was able to speak of uh, maybe a little bit more than, you know, somebody that hasn't been able to track them for a year or in Bo Naylor's case, two to three years. Um, with Nolan, um, First time that I was able to see Nolan live was at the Worldwood Bat in Georgia. Um, 
And the first thing that stood out was his body. He was playing for the Philly Bandits. Uh, he was playing shortstop. He was also pitching. He was up to 90-91 at that time. Uh, but just he was really physical, and his swing was really loose. I mean, keeping it simple, those were the two things that stood out most about Nolan at first. Um, and as he went into East Coast Pro, um, I later found out he was using a 32-inch bat uh, for somebody that was 6'5 and gangly. Um, and he was playing second base. He was trying to find some positions that he hadn't in the past. So dealing with kind of quite a bit um, uh, in a, you know, against the best pitching that he had ever faced. And then he ended up taking it into area codes and really having a fantastic uh, area codes in California. Um, so to see the progress that Nolan was able to make was really impressive. Uh, and he took that experience and, and ended up hitting the weight room for the very first time um, going into Jupiter that year. Um, so when he showed up in Jupiter in October, two months later, he looked like a different person. He had put on 20, 25 pounds and started to really fill out. So all those things combined made him really exciting uh, for our entire staff before we went to go scout him uh, the following spring. Um, with Bo um, Naylor, I would say that Bo is probably the most famous Canadian prospect in uh, the history of the country. Um, not only being Josh's younger brother, um, so he kind of had a he had the last name and had a target on his back from a young age. I think if you go on YouTube, there's even interviews with Bo when he was 12 years old that are pretty funny. Um, uh, so he was somebody that the industry knew from a young age, playing with Team Canada, uh, playing in Tournament 12. Um, so getting to see him as an underclassman um, was one of the first times I got to see him live. I remember um, sitting there uh, in the Rogers Center in Toronto. Uh, with Connor Glassy, another one of uh, Baseball America and now at Cleveland Indians guy. Uh, and I remember Noah throwing, it's like a 175 or 18 um, from behind the plate as a 15 or 16 year old. And it was like, oh, wow, holy cow, this guy is not only can hit, we knew that part already, but he's got athleticism, he's got quick feet, he's got hands. So um, he really stood out from, a, from an early age. And to see the progress that he was able to make. Um, and probably more than anything in his draft year, uh, having the fame that he carried, um, the patience that he was able to have, knowing he wasn't going to get a lot of pitches to hit. Um, in particular, he faced Marcus Stroman. Um, Team Canada always plays. Um, they always play uh, major and minor league teams in the spring, and he faced Marcus Stroman on national TV, and he ended up working a 3-2 walk. And to have that sort of discipline and not – Face outside the zone in an at bat that could have really, you know, got him on Sports Center. Uh, I thought really stood out. Um, so uh, with both, yeah, Nolan and Noah, they had a number of different things that um, made them uh, pretty intriguing options at the top of the draft. Yeah. And then guys like Karinchak and Savale were college guys, correct? They're both college guys. So there's a little different. You don't have to wait to project on them. You kind of a little more of what you see is what you get. Can you give me your first impressions on, on those guys? And, you know, what, what's it like seeing them, you know, start con contributing to the big league team in the ways they did this past couple of years? Yeah, uh, definitely a different process. Um, so Aaron was a 2016 draft and he was actually the first college game I saw as an area scout that spring. Like as, that was my first year as an area scout was 2016. 
And I ended up flying to Oklahoma to see him pitch against the University of Oklahoma. Um, and I remember in his first inning, um, he was like a lot of cutters, a lot of breaking balls, nothing was going straight, um, kind of not too dissimilar to what you see today. Um, and he, I think through seven plus innings against the University of Oklahoma, I ended up beating him. Um, and it was just a really uh, uh, statement day for him, coming off a Cape Cod League that he was an all-star, but he's pitching out of the bullpen um, to then transition into a starter's role and pretty much take to it like a duck in water was really impressive. Um, so that was my uh, first introduction personally uh, to Aaron. Um, our staff had history with him before then from the Cape. Um, and then with James, uh, I was able to see James in the Cape, um, but he only threw twice. Um, he ended up having one really solid outing, which I saw wear him, um, and then one less solid outing, and he ended up going down and shutting it down after that. Didn't end up throwing against hitters in the fall. So the next time we were able to see James, uh, my cross-checker at the time, Brad Tyler, came up to Rhode Island. We went and saw James inside before the season even got started. Um, and James at that time, even in, I guess it was early February, late January, was up to 94. You know, semblance of the curveball that you see today. He had uh, a changeup. He was working on a cutter. He was idolizing Jake Arrieta at the time. So um, that outing was um, was loud. Uh, he carried it into. I think his first couple of outings were really impressive. He threw against New Mexico State. Um, he threw against Arkansas and really made a name for himself early that spring. Um, and uh, James ended up having some. Some arm issues at spring and ended up being kind of up and down um, and then we were lucky enough that he was still there in the in the ninth round for us to, to grab him um, so in terms of how it felt to see them contribute this uh, this year uh, it was really really cool um, I think for not just everybody on the scouting staff but player development staff wise um, to see two guys that worked as hard as they did um, to two guys that have been as cerebral. They've learned a ton, I think, and they've been sponges in our system. Um, was really terrific. Uh, the Indians were great, uh, where I actually had the opportunity to see both of them debut live from front row in at Progressive Field. So that was really, really surreal. Um, just for me, uh, as as a baseball fan, really, it was just kind of surreal to, to be a part of that experience. So uh, very cool. So in, in your your ultimate projection for a guy like Karen Chak and a guy like Savali, I mean, was this the ceiling you put down for them? Did you think they'd become these, this big time rotation piece and this, you know, monster out of the bullpen with you know, the hammer from hell that Karen Chak has? Uh, no, not quite. I wouldn't say not. We didn't think that maybe James would have the hammer from hell as you put it, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the questions with both of them, actually, they both had similar strengths and um, had similar questions as well. They both spun the ball really well. Um, I don't think um, James's curveball is quite to the level that it is now. It wasn't that quite at Bryant, but he did have exceptional field to spin. It was his outpitch then. Um, and I think he earned, uh, if not unanimous plus grades, close to plus grades, um, unanimous plus grades staff wide. So. Um, that always stood out. His physicality, um, his competitiveness were always very obvious. Um, with Savali, also could always really spin the ball. He threw a ton of strikes. Um, 
really compact, easy delivery. Um, I remember talking to Coach Gassman at Hyannis and even hearing about how Aaron took pitcher's BP one day and the body control he had um, just to take pitcher's BP the way he did pickoffs. His body control was really impressive. Um, so fast forward to some of the questions that we would have had for both of them. Uh, Wisconsin kind of started a reliever debate um, that um, Aaron didn't have a ton of history starting until his junior year. He didn't really show much of a changeup at that time. A lot of it was because he didn't need one, um, having a fastball cut or curveball slider. Um, uh, but knowing that um, uh, the kind of body control he had, the delivery that he had, that all of his breaking ball grips were the same, to have that sort of feel, we felt pretty confident that he was going to be able to pick up a changeup and defeat developed as a starter. Um, with James, um, uh, I thought James had a pretty good chance to start personally. Um, there was always some effort out front. Um, he's always been um, kind of more of a grip and rip approach. Um, uh, and he is really strong-willed. Um, I've just kind of thought that if James wanted to do something, he was going to be able to do it. Um, so. Uh, I thought I gave him, in, in my mind, a chance to start. Um, he started for his first summer in Mahoning Valley. And then after that, I think heading into that fall, um, our player development staff recognized this guy has a chance to have two dynamite weapons if we put him into short stints and he could end up being a quick mover. And that was obviously a very smart move. Um, and James's demeanor uh, and his work ethic and all those sorts of things fit in a, in a bullpen role as well. So. Did I think that they would uh, kind of uh, reach these ceilings? Uh, I'd like to think close to it, but maybe not to the full degree that they've, they've ended up being, which is a, a major testament to the way we've been able to develop, to develop them in the minor leagues. Now, I think most of our readers know that part of our job, or part of your job, excuse me, is to, is beyond the radar gun and the stopwatch, is to gauge makeup. Like, what kind of traits do you uh, value most highly when it comes to talking about makeup and you know, how present were they in the guys we've talked about in, no in Nolan, in Bo, in uh, James, and in Aaron? It sounds pretty simple, I guess, when you get down to just a couple of traits, but um, work ethic and uh, willingness to uh, try new things. Um, how open-minded are you? And in all four of these cases, um, those guys demonstrated that um, really strongly. I mean, as individuals, I think they're, they're all different. They may go about learning different. They may go about their work ethics a little bit differently. Um, but ultimately, they all had those kind of basic traits you need to get better. Um, yeah, as I mentioned with Nolan Jones, um, seeing how maybe he was felt behind the curve physically at East Coast Pro and area codes um, to then Go into the weight room. He worked out with his older brother Peyton, who uh, was a goalie, hockey goalie at Penn State, and to then see how that work ethic uh, translated uh, on field at Jupiter and that spring, uh, you know, was such an on field testament to what work Nolan was doing off the field. Um, uh, with Bo Naylor, he had his brother to look up to. Um, you know, Team Canada sets you up on such a terrific professional um, type of routine and path um, that even though he had a lot of fame and, um, you know, the name that he carried with him, uh, there was no option but to work really hard playing for Team Canada. Um, 
And I think uh, that really stood out with, with, with Bo and hearing a lot about some of the stuff that he would do catching wise. Um, that was always a question as he's such a good hitter, should we pull him out from out behind the, behind the plate? I remember with the Indians, we had some conversations of, oh, well, we've been through this before with Victor Martinez, Carlos Santana, uh, Francisco Mejia. We've taken some really good bats and that had them in our system. And we've had to make a decision, are they going to catch? Are they going to go out from behind the plate? Um, so anyway, to see um, the work ethic that Bo has put into to catching um, has really been impressive. It was impressive then, and it continues to be today. Um, with James and Aaron, uh, James is a, a beast uh, physically. He gained 50 pounds in college. Um, that work ethic was really impressive. And then to have his open-mindedness, even though he's one of the country's leaders in strikeouts as a sophomore to want to add a cutter to only want to get better that that wasn't enough for him it was impressive and with Aaron same sort of deal going from uh, reliever to starter um, he wanted to I remember him trying out some Roy holiday lift where he would throw a bullpen uh, lift in between and then go back to throwing the bullpen almost emulate the um, how his lower half would be taxed through an outing um, so all of those guys um, kind of had different stories that demonstrated both the way they worked, the way they thought about the game, the way they wanted to get better, the things that they didn't know, um, and the humility that they had to say that they didn't know certain things. All of those things stood out with those guys. So a couple of different traits uh, in a long-winded answer, but uh, all impressive in their own ways. And then we got more guy that's coming on uh, behind them that maybe – uh, fans haven't heard of just yet because he hasn't really popped because he's been on the shelf, but that's Lenny Torres. And you talk about character. I mean, I know our guy, our former writer here, Michael Lanana, wrote the book on uh, <laughs> on Torres a little bit. Can you just kind of give Indians fans a glimpse of what they should expect when he's uh, back on the mound, hopefully in 2021, when depending on what happens with COVID? Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, really quick arm, uh, really strong, really athletic. Um, and in high school, um, Lenny was a uh, fastball slider changeup. Um, all of them would show their glimpses. He'd be up to 96. Uh, he was really young for the draft at that time. So, I mean, it was easy to dream on him physically. And I think if you saw Lenny at 17 and now you saw him at 20, um, you may not recognize him. That's how much stronger he has gotten. Um, so I think the thing that if you go see Lenny in the minor leagues, hopefully next year, uh, yeah, you would notice physicality, the quick arm, uh, and the competitive streak that he has pretty quickly. So, What kind of challenges have you run into scouting during the pandemic, if any? I mean, is that, how has it kind of upended your routine? Quite a bit. Um, you know, um, obviously it doesn't compare to a lot of other um, professions during COVID and thankful that I'm, um, you know, still with an organization and um, the Indians have really um, kind of guided us through a difficult last eight months uh, really well. Um, but in terms of the day-to-day, -day, yeah, it is quite different. Um, I obviously did not do nearly as much traveling as I would have typically on the summer showcase circuit. Um, uh, I guess even going back to the spring, I mean, we relied much more on, on video uh, and collecting information via phone calls, whereas maybe we would have had some conversations about makeup at the ballpark. Um, so everything was obviously virtual before the draft. Um, and then, yeah, this summer, uh, I was scouting much more locally, trying to personally, just my own decision to try to avoid some hotels. Um, 
and I didn't end up going south. So it was the first year in a long time that I haven't been to East Coast Pro Area Codes, Worldwood Bat uh, in Georgia and in, in uh, Jupiter slash Fort Myers. Um, so uh, yeah, very different, um, very different summer and a lot more I had to get used to um, uh, a process of scouting off of video. So that, that was definitely different. Kind of one more and then I'll let you go. But you know, you've been in the game for a little while now. How has scouting as a whole evolved considering you know, how, how much technology and analytics have crept into the process? Has it made your job any different or easier or harder? And where do you think we're going with scouting as a whole? It has changed. Um, that's a good question. Um, uh, I think there's just, there's obviously different technology. There's um, different data that is collected in 2020 that may not have been possible in say 2015, 2016. Um, and uh, in terms of like a holistic organizational process, I think it does make it a lot better. I mean, the challenge of having to project a player five to seven years from today uh, is uh, fairly difficult to say the least. Uh, to, so to have as much information as you can is only gonna be helpful. Um, uh, but ultimately, and I maybe this speaks to where we're going, um, you know, in-person scouting and evaluations and certain things that you can only get at the ballpark, I don't think are, are going away. Um, you know, as uh, this spring and summer indicated, you know, we can do certain things on video, but there's always going to be a need to figure out, hey, what is this guy working on in his bullpens? What does his BP look like? How does the ball slice? Does he take, does he power shag pregame? How does he deal with his teammates in the dugout? Those are things that are going to be, um, you know, always valuable to a scouting report and ultimately the organization's decisions. Um, so even though that there are um, new things, new ways to um, to look at uh, whether it is velocity or spin rate or uh, whatever it might be, um, there's still going to be a lot of different things that really can't be um, calculated. And uh, I think uh, to that degree, um, scouting might need to um, evolve in certain ways, but um, it will still continue to be, in my opinion, a, a vital part of, you know, building a championship team. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Mike, for the time you've given us today. Uh, for Mike Caden, this is Josh Norris. This is a Miller Baseball America podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.